Welcome to Gimcrack Video. How can I help you tonight? Hey, yeah, we're just uh, browsing for something a little different. Well, have you tried our forgotten classics? Is that the one over there under the sign that says Blighted by God? Oh, oh, I found something. Have you seen this before? Ah, never heard of it. Let's grab it. Enjoy your selection. <laughs> you, you, know, you know we're still here, right? Oh. If we don't, if we if we don't blame the equipment, then we have to admit my my fault specifically, and I'm not about that life. <laughs> so yeah, we got to put the blame somewhere. Yeah, it might as well be on Yeti. Is Blue the name of the company, or is... I think Blue is the name of the company, and Yeti's the name of the mic, which is confusing, only because my brain is also associating associating Yeti as the name of the company because of the ice ma- uh, um the, the uh, cooler ice boxes. Yeah, the cooler. Yeah. Ice boxes. <laughs> the anti-heat devices. <laughs> anti-heat devices. I guess that's that's one way to uh, to describe it. Um. All right. Um. So. Um. Guess without further ado, should we just should we just get this party started? Anything else you need to discuss beforehand? I mean. No, I haven't watched any reality TV or anything, so. Why not? It's, there's just a lot of that seems interesting. Are there things on reality TV that interest you? No, but I watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I've been, I've been, I started this stupid MILF Manor bit. Mm-hmm. Now I can't fucking stop because I don't even enjoy it at all. And it's not even like I hate watch it. I just... I, I committed to it, and now I have to finish it out. So and That was my opinion with Velma, so I understand where you are coming from. Yeah, but that was a little more hate-watching, too. It was fascination. Yeah. I, I couldn't turn away from something so, so catastrophic. It, <laughs> it, it would be as if someone televised the destruction of Pompeii. Okay. Could you not watch? Uh, you'd have to. Well, okay. So um, the good news is this is the uh, this is the penultimate episode. This is the there's only one episode of Milf Manor left after this one. So I've only have to watch one more of these fucking shows. But it was it was crazy because um, they they were uh, they were they were deciding their matches on this episode and they were like having to match up. So they they decided um, it was like they texted everybody and said okay. You pick your partner, and if you guys match, you stay on the show. If you don't match, you're out. So it was like, you know, two guys pick the same lady, and uh, three of the ladies pick the same guy. So, mo- like, there's only four couples left out of that. Everybody just they cut down half the people, booted them all. And they did some weird shit and brought family members in, and they started, you know, one of the sons started flirting with one of the daughters from the other mom or something like that. It's just, just fucking weird. Uh, it's just gone off the rails, and it's not even that great. Why am I watching this? It's almost like it's almost biblical. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would, I, I, I should be watching like the Father Ben trilogy instead of watching Milf Manor. I mean, it's it's a horror, whether or not it takes place in Amityville. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of horror. Yeah. No, there's nothing horrible about this, but uh yeah, let's get this started. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Found on Shelf, the only podcast talking about singing and dancing aliens. And I'm Dustin, and with me here is Patrick. How are we doing tonight, Patrick? Well, <laughs> I'm doing fine. Uh, all right. I would be, all right. I'd be doing better if my jokes would land, but... <laughs> well, it sounds like something's landing on the floor. Uh, <laughs> are we doing like, um, are we doing like a little, oh God, um, Foley what? artist work now? Is that what sure. <laughs> Just making little sound effects. Just, get, I'll come in with some celery next time. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> get some coconuts and start riding a horse around. <laughs> we're we're branching off into new ventures with the podcast. So. <laughs> of course, because you know we got to we got to keep it fresh and keep it keep it interesting. And speaking of uh, speaking of interesting, uh, today we are talking about. Um, well, so but first, let me say i i found this uh, I found this movie. Uh, a friend of mine, Adrian. Uh, found this movie in a like a bin at like Sam Goody or something. It was one of these like five dollar bins of different DVDs. And it was called Naked Space. And it had Leslie Nielsen on the cover. And I'd never seen it, never heard of it. So it was pretty much an instant buy at that point. You know, five bucks Leslie Nielsen, why not? You go for it. Um so that's how I like discovered this movie. <laughs> have have you have did you know of this movie's existence? Um no. Mm-hmm. Well, you showed me a scene from it at one point in time, but before that, I had not heard of it. And then you showed me the scene from it, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of funny. Uh, but I didn't watch it until this week when you made that in an inevitability. I can say words. <laughs> that's not the alcohol, that's just my inability to speak. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, I hadn't heard of it before. I have heard of it now. Yep. I have questions. I've got answers. Do you? <laughs> I've got seven pages of notes. So that's, that's <laughs> as many notes as you came to the table for Winter Beast with. <laughs> I might have some answers for you. Oh my Is god! One of them yes. What happened to that guy from Winter Beast? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the, that's the greatest mystery of all. All right. So um, this is Naked Space. This movie went by several titles, and I'll kind of talk about why it went by well, several different titles. Well, yeah, but, but I, I do know that the other title is also the original title of the original cut, which mm-hmm. I have not seen. Mm-hmm. I saw Naked Space. I did not see The Creature Wasn't Nice. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, there was, um, there was basically two different versions of this movie. Eh, technically, three different versions, because one was filmed. One was edited slightly different with the... Uh, Mm-hmm. framing of it but anyway um yeah we're, we're talking about the 1981 film uh you, you might have seen called spaceship might have seen called the creature wasn't nice might have seen called uh naked space so um, also zombie six yes <laughs> um uh, how what, what would be your elevator pitch for this movie how'd you describe it community theater does alien bingo it has, it has, it's exactly a community theater vibe. It's like, if anyone's seen Fellowship, the musical, it's that. It feels like that. 
<laughs> Would it surprise you to know that uh, quite a few people involved in this movie are, uh, are worked in and off of Broadway? Uh, not at all. Um, this, I feel like off Broadway has a has a heavy influence. <laughs> and well, it's not necessarily um, a dig at off Broadway. Little Shop of Horrors famously was an off Broadway show. Hedwig and the Angry Inch was fantastic off Broadway. So, yeah. like, if I'm going, if I'm going to be theater kid here, yes, of course, off Broadway. I would actually watch the stage version of this as well. I think that would be interesting. I think it works better on the stage because it does not work as a movie. <laughs> there's there's a reason why it did not work as a movie, and we'll talk about that. But first, I did find a copy of the uh, original trailer on VHS. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, so let her rip. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, space freaks! Welcome to the spaceship Vertigo, whose five-year mission is to seek out new life, have it baptized, teach it table manners, and find a creature who doesn't have to phone home. A Starfleet Commander Jay Jameson will give you a first-hand look at what space adventure is all about. Never a moment's rest. He'll be getting plenty of help from First Mate Rosinski. Stand up, Eight. <laughs> 14, 7, 33 and a third, 5, 11, Joining them are morale officer Annie McHugh. Woo! Ah! Hey, nice bot. Ship's Dr. Stark. He's Stark Raven Man. I need this organism. They'll have to call it the Stark Organism. It was John who did discover the organism. They're going to call it the John Organism. And Captain oh. Chef John. <laughs> if you really want to get your rockets off... I have to go to the bathroom, but I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. Take a ride on the only rocket ripping spaceship in the universe. There are things in this that were not in the movie. Find out what nine out of ten alien creatures want for well, in the movie. dessert. I want to eat your face. We don't want this piece of snot on board our spaceship. It could just be so yummy. Face in my tummy. <laughs> this creature means no harm. Oh! Remember, in spaceship, everyone can hear you scream. Spaceship, void, we're prohibited. See it, or we'll have to make a sick. That a definitely make, make sounded a like a threat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was when the movie was called Spaceship. Uh. <laughs> Uh, that was how it was. so it was it was originally um, uh, creature wasn't nice. And then they they called it spaceships, try to piggyback off of airplane because that was so successful. And um, this then, is 82, 83, uh, 80, 81, I think, is actually when it first came out. No, uh, well, actually, I'm getting conflicting dates because he they filmed it in 1980. Um, one of the. One thing says it was released in 1981. Another thing says it was released in 1983. And I think that's just because it had different titles. Well, well the date is really important. Uh, well, no, it is. Because Leslie Nielsen is a dramatic actor. Leslie Nielsen is a dramatic actor who is in mostly B movies. And then Leslie Nielsen is a comedian. And it happens very quickly where there's a turning point. The turning point is Airplane in 1981. Mm -hmm. However, he has filmed other things prior to that. So you have Airplane in 1981. And then a 1982 creep show comes out in which he is in the horror segment. Um, oh, the one with the, the crab on the beach with Ted Danson. 
Yeah, yeah. I forget the name of that one, but he is like this VHS aficionado guy, and he's drowning yeah. his wife and her lover on the beach, and then they come back and they um they kill him. It's it's a terrible one, a, but he's like he's really eating a good it up. Segment. I like he's that like one. insane. It's great. <laughs> yeah. No, this and then was also like his... in 1982, Police Squad, the TV series happens, right? Mm-hmm. And so between the success of Airplane in 81 and Police Squad 82, now Leslie Nielsen, who has had like middling success as a B-movie actor, but a dramatic person, is immediately a comedian overnight because he does deadpan delivery. Um, but we don't get like the naked gun until 87. So <laughs> yeah, no, this was, this was right after airplane. So this was, this was written in 1980, uh, filmed. I want to say it was like in May of 81 and, um, it all kind of went downhill after that, after some madness. Um, and I, I had planned to do this movie a few weeks ago, but while I was looking into it, I discovered that the director of, of the original director of this movie started an Indiegogo that was successfully funded, uh, just like in, 2019 uh, to release the original director's cut of the movie along with commentary. So have you seen the director's cut? Yes, I have. How different is it? Very different. Is it worth watching? Um, it's the quality of it is not um, great. Um, it's, but I, I think overall it ended up being a slightly better movie and as we as we go along, um, I'll, as we go along in this movie, I'll kind of point out some of the differences and some of the things that we said, or that are different between the the original director's cut and the original release. But but yeah, basically what happened was um, the producers took control of this movie and re-edited it, and then called it Spaceship uh, out to movie theaters, and it was only out in movie theaters for like a very short time. And then it went to VHS. It didn't sell very well. They sold the rights to the USA Network. Um, and um, it stayed on there for a little while. And it was doing all right. And then they switched it to uh, DVD. And they called it Naked Space to try to piggyback off of Naked Gun. But uh, but yeah, the director took it to... he Before he turned it over to the producers, he took it to a lab to make a copy of it. So he had an original copy of it that he could re-edit and get this done. So that's how he uh, got this copy out there. Okay. It's pretty cool. It's so the director's cut has two commentaries on it. Um mm-hmm. one is Both just off the, color. One is just the director chatting through it, and the other is the director with Cindy Williams. Oh good. And then there is a Are they uh, like friends? I felt yes. like they were like friends. Yes. Because I felt friends. like her presence was a favor. Uh not necessarily a favor. They're just friends and They're you know just it just worked. Yeah. How many favors um, were called in for this though? Not not as many as you'd think, because it it does feel like that. Yeah, you you would think you you are going to you're going to be interested when I tell you who was the original cast of this movie, because this is not the original cast. Of course not. Um, it was, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, and then the the version that was released on VHS had uh, another director's commentary with the director. And um, the editor, the guy that edited his his director's cut. So I sat through the movie. I sat through the director's cut. And then I watched the director's cut two more times. One with each commentary track. And I watched the first released version with the commentary as well. So I've watched this movie about five times in the last week. 
And you understand your time on this earth is limited. <laughs> Says the man who has watched Winter Beast like a dozen times. <laughs> I've made peace with who I am. <laughs> At least mine was done in the name of research. <laughs> mine Science. was done in the name of cinematic joy. <laughs> or torture. I don't know which one. <laughs> so <laughs> pleasure and pain indivisible um and I, I want you to kind of think about what you think the budget for this movie is <laughs> um well the evil dead costs three hundred thousand dollars so less mm-hmm. than that mm-hmm. wrong <laughs> are you telling me this costs a million plus one point one was was their budget. Where exactly did that go? Well, I mean, you had costumes, you had you had replicator grade costumes. <laughs> hey, they did like a full body cast of that guy to get that alien costume. So you know, yeah, but that was not necessary to have a Power Rangers grade mascot villain. <laughs> But he had a remote control eye. It worked out. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, well, first, the, the, the first thing is, uh, what year do you think this movie was supposed to take place in? Oh, God, I think they said it. Was it 2012? <laughs> it was 2010. You're close. OK, I knew they yeah. said they said the date at some point. Yeah, they just thought, thought, eh, you know, we'll shoot it way in the future. It's not that far. But, Uh, you know, 2010, I remember where I was in 2010. I was 20. So um, I was also drinking and watching bad movies. Not much in my life has changed. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Uh, it's the little things. (laughs) Some things are constant. So, um... Right off the bat of this movie, they 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 changed exactly how um, the first half of the movie was. Basically, they they recut it and re-edited a bunch of it. Um, like the original one, it had a, this space station with McDonald's on it, and it was like the the spaceship was going up to this McDonald's, and they they were kept arguing about what they want to eat, and it was kind of interesting. And um, that seems uh, funnier. Yeah, it 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 works out to be funnier, and then it like starts with the the next opening shot after the credits is like is a scene that we see later in this movie with uh cindy williams just screaming at the top of her lungs uh that was like one of the good jokes in the film yeah and that was how it originally started so it was like you know you you had these one two back to back you had the mcdonald's gag which you know it's 1980 spaceship with mcdonald's on it it worked then um and then it cuts to the screaming thing and it's for like no reason at all so you're like okay and it was funny and it worked um so I I do want to um I do want to take a take a, a a detour and talk about uh, a couple of members of the cast. Pause. Um, let's let's for 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 continuity's sake, let's do a brief rundown of the plot of the the act of the two cuts. Okay. And then let's talk about the cast. I I just think it's, it'll be helpful uh, for listeners. Okay. So it's a, it's, a, it's the version I saw Naked Space the, mm-hmm. the wide release version is ostensibly a um a parody of alien mm-hmm. yeah and it is um this crew of the spaceship uh they they land on an alien planet they find an organism that is like a little globule and the um 
the Dr. Smith kind of guy on board wants to take it back and study it and be famous for discovering an alien organism. But it grows into um, a monster that is a mascot suit. And he eats the almost the entire crew. Um, but at the last second, Cindy Williams and the cook, who was played by the writer and director, are able to defeat him with a song and dance number. Mm-hmm. And that's the movie. Yes. Um, how does that differ for like the totality of the plot of the, the um, original cut? So, so the overall plot was basically the same, but the structure was completely different. Um, gotcha. In the director's cut, you, you had a chance to really get to know the crew first before they went to the alien planet. Okay. So it was about 20 minutes into the movie that they went to the alien planet in the director's mm-hmm. cut. Mm-hmm. Um, in th- this movie, it was like four minutes and they're right on that planet. So you didn't really, you didn't know any of these people. You didn't care about any of these people. They were just there doing a thing. Yeah. And, okay. And, so, and then it felt like they were just moving through <clears throat> scenes. Yeah. And then, so yeah, the version you saw, they just, they, they basically were just, you know, taking scenes out, putting them wherever they thought they'd fit better. And they threw a bunch of, other crap in there that wasn't originally filmed and it was like okay. it was just it was kind of weird not entirely unlike um dark space where they did a whole bunch of reshoots and threw it in the middle to try and pad the film out yeah um, okay so yeah. i guess I, now we can go back onto your your tangent i just wanted to state for the record what's going on broadly yeah um and then so uh yeah i just want to kind of I'll, I'll talk about a couple of the crew that we we kind of already mentioned of course leslie nielsen um i don't think i really need to the describe who he is everybody should know who he is he's he's actually portrayed over 220 different characters which is pretty mm-hmm. insane um and like we said renowned fart machine aficionado oh leslie nielsen. we will get into that don't you worry we will get into that he loved that fart machine even even in back then so yeah this was like his second third comedy movie after uh after airplane um so i was i tried to it's gonna, it's gonna be his second uh if you're talking about filmed chronologically because he's not in another feature-length comedy for several years however he is in a comedy tv show immediately after airplane yeah the zucker brothers police squad uh from the or from the file it comes out yeah. right and for anyone who doesn't know the naked gun movies are feature-length spinoffs of a tv show mm-hmm. that ran for like a season called police god which is a parody of dragnet and so the first naked gun is called the naked gun from the files police of squad. police squad yeah. which uh, that mm-hmm. that tv show was hilarious i love how every episode ended with them kind of doing a freeze frame but they weren't actually mm-hmm. doing a freeze frame they were just they were freezing themselves but that you could still see them kind of moving around and stuff that, that was hilarious that show the the, the naked gun and police squad are genius however they are genius that require you to know what Dragnet was. Yeah. The further we get away from Dragnet, I think people lose context on that. Like, with context of Dragnet, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's so good that they tried to reboot Dragnet as a comedy movie with Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Was, which, yeah, my, it's okay, it's okay yeah. but it's not nearly as clo- close to what they're, the Sucker Brothers were right. doing in Police Squad and um, Naked Gun. I think it's the Sucker Brothers. Yeah, I think you're right. So I tried to dig up some facts about Leslie Nielsen that people might not know. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's, of course, he's Canadian. Did you know that his dad was a Mountie? I mean, he had to mount someone. <laughs> How else was he born? But um, bum. Oh, and his dad was also very abusive. Um, so right out of high school, Leslie. Oh well, now it's sad. Okay. <laughs> uh, right out of high school, um, 
he enlisted in the Royal Canadian Air Force and he served until the end of World War II. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he was uh, legally deaf. He had a little hearing aid that he'd wear most of the time. Most people, uh, I think most people know about that. But Patrick, did you know? He was on two episodes of Murder, She Wrote, playing two different roles. I did not. There's your Murder, She Wrote connection. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, and then, like we mentioned, uh, you also had John, um, who is the kind of chef do-it-all kind of guy who was the... So John is being played by Bruce Kimmel, who is the writer, director, creator of the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. And the lyricist. Yeah. And the singer. He sang uh, the, the Alien song with him. So, so yeah, um, he was in... He does not have a Wikipedia he is in. No, he does not. I'm not sure why not. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, he's, mm-hmm. He was in Broadway for a long time, like I mentioned. He's, he wrote, directed, and starred in a movie called The First Nudie Musical. With uh, which Cindy Williams with Cindy Williams, and that's how he got to. Well, that was their first kind of collaboration together. Um, you now that was before the Vernon Shirley, yes, yeah. Um, do you recall the 1998 movie The Faculty about the high school kids that teach think their teachers are aliens or something like that? Yeah, didn't Rodriguez direct Rodriguez that? directed it, and um, Bruce Kimmel was the co creator of it, yeah. And he is uh. It's probably not a surprise to you that he is the leading producer of theater music on CD and has produced over 125 albums. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and if you would like to buy any of those albums, uh, he has a, his own little label, his own website. It's uh, it's like uh, Kritzerland, uh, K-R-I-T-Z-E-R-L-A-N-D, Kritzerland. And um, that's also where I bought this movie from. So you can buy it directly off of that site. Um, and a little known fact about him, he read for the role of Luke Skywalker. And then, of course, you had Cindy Williams. So they, they are just kind of, we'll get into the movie and then we'll go back to the other cast in just a bit. Of, uh, so I don't bore you Can you imagine much. reading for the role of Luke Skywalker and then finding out it's going to Robert England's roommate? <laughs> uh, and they did say they wanted nobodies, so no, <laughs> not, not known people. So I guess that worked out. Um, and of course you've got Cindy Williams and, uh, uh, Bruce has known Cindy since they were 17 years old, since he was 17, they went to college together. Um, okay. you know, this, and this yeah. is her okay. second appearance on the podcast because she was also in a big man on campus. She was a big man on campus, yeah. regrettably. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, the nudie musical was right around the same time, maybe just a little bit before Laverne and Shirley, but I think she'd already done the Shirley role on happy days before that happened. Yeah. I, I think she was on, um, love American style too. It's, yeah. I she was on a lot of stuff back then. Well, cause like love American style is first and happy days is a spinoff of love American style. And then everything is a spinoff of in modern television history. <laughs> It's been yeah. a happy day. Yeah. <laughs> because you got, what do you got? You, you got Laverne and Shirley, you got Mork and Mindy, you got, um, you got, uh, Joni Loves Chachi, you got the Fonz's, um, weird little cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon. There are eight spinoffs yeah. of, um, Happy Days. I just don't remember all of them. Yeah, there was a lot. Um, and something a little known about her, she auditioned for the role of Princess Leia. <laughs> and if you if you search it up on YouTube, you can actually find her her audition. They they filmed it, so she's. You just look up uh, Cindy Williams Princess Leia, and you'll uh, you'll find it. 
I can see her doing that. Though. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. She cause, it's within her wheelhouse. Yeah, because she had worked with George Lucas before, so that was already her kind of in. But um, on American Graffiti or THX? American Graffiti, I believe it was. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so that was that was. That's how Ron Howard got um, Happy Days. I think was American Graffiti, right? I think you might be right. Yeah, she was like it was because it was a fifties nostalgia trip. Yeah, she was. She was. Um, yeah, it was American Graffiti. She was uh, nominated for a BAFTA award for Best Actress, and it's been far too long since I've seen that movie. And I will have to go back and see it again. We can kind of get into the movie uh, a little bit if you'd like to chat about some of the scenes that had happened. Thirty minutes in, sure. <laughs> uh, seven pages of notes, Patrick. <laughs> okay, at what point does beef in Shut into it? <laughs> I'm gonna save that clip for a while. Shut your trap. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, beef comes into it on page three of my notes, which is actually coming up here soon. Get to know we're almost halfway. <laughs> so the the, the the way that you will watch it, if you, dear listener, it opens with the AI of the ship having a radio announcer voice, which actually I did think was funny. Um, or at least I like the idea of what you could do with that. And then it cuts to the captain and Beef. Um, whom's, what's his actual name in this movie? Radzinski. But he's a character actor. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but in this movie, he is Radzinski. Um, Radzinski is reading alien porn from the future. And it is essentially like a scene from the heavy metal movie. <laughs> it, it is heavy metal, right? It's John Candy, like um, weird alien, just like looking at porn while they're in space. It's, it's yeah, it's heavy yeah, metal. That's pretty much what they were. What oh. they're, I mean, yeah, that's a, it's a good way. He's uh now it's before the heavy metal movie. It's not they're not they're not cribbing on anything, but just for the vibes. So the the, the idea is the captain is as Leslie Nelson's captain is just this stuck up, harsh, severe guy. Rosinski is a sex pest. He's a sleazy, like like, gross, grody sex pest kind of guy. Um. But their their dynamic together, I think, is fantastic. It's hilarious. Right, right, because they're because like the captain isn't any better than Rodzinski. Right. He just um, thinks he is. He's, <laughs> yeah, so he has this veneer of control. Um Bruce Kimmel is like playing John the synth the cook who only cooks synthetic food. Um he's very subdued, like nice guy type archetype mm -hmm. which is its own bag of worms yeah. and uh cindy williams is girl <laughs> cindy williams is the woman on the ship right and, I, and I, she is she is playing a version of shirley yeah it's and it's it's pretty it's pretty funny i think she does a, a good job of of her role but oh i love cindy williams uh she's definitely one of the more magnetic performances actually everyone here is talented I mean, Bruce Kimmel is talented, but his character is very dry. Leslie Nielsen's doing his Leslie Nielsen thing. Um, yes, yeah, like I forget, I forget Beef's real name, but like, like he's doing his Garrett whole Graham. dedicated character actor. Yeah. Yes, thank you, uh, dedicated character actor. I have picked the vibe of this character and committing yeah. wholeheartedly, even though, oof, 
<laughs> and then um, Cindy Williams is Cindy Williams, which is which is to say she's funny and magnetic. Yeah, and this movie was uh, it was originally written and filmed uh, as kind of a of more of a, a kind of a slow paced comedy, more of a character driven comedy. And when they cut it and re-edited it, they tried to like force that into more of a slapstick style comedy. And they tried to make it like Airplane, where it was just, you know, joke after joke after joke and slapstick and funny. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not written like Airplane. Airplane has more jokes in, in a single minute of film than most things yeah. have in their yes. entire runtime. And it takes a lot to do that. And not all of it's aged well. No. It's it's Airplane, for God's sakes. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's it, like it does what it does at, at a very high yeah. level. And but also it's it, it, it's it's working off of source material because Airplane is a is is not only a parody, it's almost a direct adaptation that is like being parodied. It's um it's um it's a, it's a flight movie. Is it Airport 77 uh, or something like that. Yeah, something like that, because like <laughs> they saw it on a hotel, like a late night at, on TV at a hotel and just like mimicked T3K around it because it was so bad the thing that a lot of people do, but they're also talented comedy writers. So like, what if we remake this movie and then really go for it? Yeah. Which is more or less what they did. And they had structure. Yeah. And you can't just take a movie and turn it into that. It's got to start as that. And this film doesn't have, uh, it, it, because, because apparently it was, edited, it was sliced and diced in the editor room. This movie does not have structure. Yes. Scenes happen. Mm-hmm. Scenes begin, scenes end. There are characters, there are musical numbers, there is a semblance of maybe at some point there was a plot. And yes, what is on the screen could work on the stage, but it does not work <laughs> on screen at all. Because yeah. like there's a musical number halfway through, and the musical number's fine, like the song is funny, mm. but nobody knows what to do. There's no choreography, the camera doesn't know what to show. It, the whole thing lands flat because it is not designed for film. However, you took that same setup, the song being I Want to Eat Your Face. If you have that same setup and um, you do it on the stage where the bat, where all of the main cast that they just keep showing the non-reactions to are, in fact, background characters off to the side and the alien is just doing his like lone soliloquy to the audience, that would play and the joke would yeah. land. So... It's it's interesting because a guy that they got to be in the suit was actually a really good dancer and they had rehearsed and they had done these numbers and they had like planned all this stuff. And then he put the costume on and it weighed 80 pounds and the elbows were attached to the side. So he had no <laughs> arm movements and he could barely move his legs because it weighed 80 pounds on him. Uh <laughs> So he kind of had to take a step down and it became more of like a, a silly kind of I'm, I'm flipping my hands instead of like waving my arms <laughs> kind of dance. Does not land. God um, bless them for trying. And then they originally showed that uh, when, when the alien was singing the song, they just showed the, the camera was on the alien the entire time. Just singing mm. the song and like the original version before even the director went back and edited it, that just bombed because it was not as interesting because you're just watching it the whole time flipping back and showing yeah, the reaction uh, of everyone else is really what kind of makes that scene yeah well that's the thing though like it, it it creates it creates the semblance of action where there is none 
but ultimately because apparently because of the the, the suit design <laughs> there is no action <laughs> yeah. so it exists as like audio comedy without a visual component that really works yeah. for it and so again i don't think it lands i like i i like i think it i think it it's it the first verse like i want to eat your face lands yeah. and the rest of the song is more protracted <laughs> although while we were watching it like in the setup for the scene they've captured the alien and they're like trying to figure out what it's what it wants and they realize they can use the the ai to translate its thoughts or something <laughs> and uh, and then my fiance she's like um it's gonna say i want to eat your face <laughs> did she really like, call you that? know it's funny you you did. And I'm like, you know, it's funny you should say that. And then the song starts. She's like, holy shit. <laughs> nice. So, um, but before, well, so getting back uh, what, to the where we're at in the movie, I think. Um, so they, they, they did this talent show thingy and it, it was it was weird because the talent show was out of place from where it was like in the movie because it, it just was. Where would it where where is where in the movie would that be in place? See, this is again, this is why it feels very theater to me, right? Yeah. Like we we've 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 developed a ruse by which we can have people perform mm. because the scenes move in and out, but we need to create action. This is the theater. We need a musical number. Let's just have a talent show on a spaceship. Why not? Yeah. That's what that feels like to me. Yeah, and it was it was done earlier in the in the movie before they even went to the planet as a way to kind of get you introduced to the characters and that's you know kind of what it does a little bit you get to see a little exaggerated version of everyone um john doing his boring cooking show with their you know he's putting this uh, just stuff all over stuff whip, 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 this is a this is a joke about the star wars holiday special <laughs> and then oh yeah god i remember <laughs> <laughs> no, I have that See, image in my one head. of us has watched the star wars holiday special more than the yes, other one that's for sure that's for sure <laughs> um and then yeah uh leslie nielsen does a hilariously slow long boring read of the captain's log mm-hmm. <laughs> rodzinski's just this is when they say the date oh right? yeah oh yeah you're right yeah uh mm-hmm. and rodzinski's just yelling at him uh about that and then Cindy Williams mm-hmm. comes on and does a little dance number. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was a lot funnier in the director's cut because um, Rodzinski busted out like a Polaroid camera and was taking pictures of her while she was dancing. But then he was hiding the Polaroids in the plant that was behind him. So she <laughs> so he can get them later. So it was it played out a little bit funnier um, mm-hmm. instead of it just being cut away. And they really cut the dance, her dancing down a little bit. So it didn't quite have that. It didn't have a good build up like the other one did. It was it was okay. Like I said, it was just one of those cut and paste kind of things. But um, but yeah. And then we then there, it cut to the scene, and this is the scene that you had messaged me about because it was like uh, it was like you know, three girls on the couch talking like a news reporter kind of scene, and then they threw in the uh, this island Earth clip. Right. So there, there's a, there's a clip from the movie This Island. If anyone does not know This Island Earth, This Island Earth, of course, being a B movie about people being transported to another island in which there is a a an alien that has like a weird green giant brain and like 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 pincers her hands. If you have seen Mystery Science Theater three thousand, the movie, the feature length mm-hmm. production of the show in which they make fun of other feature length productions <laughs> uh, the movie they use in that movie is this island earth huh. 
I did not watch that, so now I'll have to go back and watch that. Oh, that's a great one because it's like that's that's where the normal view joke comes from. Easily one of my most quoted riffs. You should definitely watch the movie. Um, hold on a minute, just a second. Let's see. Um, I said so. How many people owed Bruce Kimmel a favor? That alien costume is from this island Earth. Oh, they're using footage from old movies. And then I finished with a strong community theater yeah. vibes. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, and so this, this footage was not originally planned as being part of the movie. And then they like, they took some weird dialogue and put on top of that, which I cut so you can hear it, but it was really stupid because they tried to make the movie a little bit more juvenile and slapstick. Uh, I feel like a new man. There are many wonderful advantages to my new body. Everything has been transplanted and rearranged for greater strength and mobility. The only problem is I have to take a leak and I don't know where my pee-pee is. Comedy. Yeah, let that one just sit there. <laughs> just, 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 just add a clip from Sodheim. Just like, comedy <laughs> tonight. Oh, God. And then it had like, uh, and then later on, there was that alien fight where you saw a bunch of aliens and monkeys on the planet. And that was from a Japanese TV show called uh, Spectra Man. Yeah, um, I didn't know which show, but I, I definitely saw that. I'm like, OK, now I know where we're at. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we, we got back to the, the Cindy Williams screaming thing. They go to see the, a couple things. Um, and then she's like tanning. And as she's trying to tan, uh, Radzinski just tries to bust in on her while she's tanning and she shoes him away. And then, then, you know, somebody starts creeping up again and it's, it's the monster this time. Of course, that, that old gag. It's, it's not, you think it's a thing the first time, but it's not. And, um, like we had mentioned, Radzinski was Garrett Graham, um, who's also making his second appearance on the podcast because he was in Big Man on Campus as well. Um, and we talked about him a lot there, so I won't go too far into it. But did you notice that he was wearing a hat with the Grateful Dead logo on it? Uh, I did not, uh, because the Grateful Dead exists to me as only a joke about cheese sandwiches in the parking lot. <laughs> well, he uh, is actually friends with the Grateful Dead, and he wrote a couple of songs for them. So he wanted to wear one of their hats to represent them. Can, can't you really call them songs? No. Just jam yeah, sessions. Yeah, well, he, he wrote down a couple lyrics. Couple, he wrote some words on a napkin somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> if we have listeners, and if those listeners are deadheads, they will hate me. But there are some like there are some wild statistics that have to happen for that to, to be reality. Um, I have had this argument with people before. If someone's like, "If you if you don't like the Grateful Dead, man, you don't even have a soul." I'm like, "Are you are you sure? Because it 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 just sounds like." It just sounds like they forgot to stop playing at some point. No, if if you don't like the Grateful Dead, that's because you have not smoked enough weed. That is what. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's entirely possible <laughs> because it, I've every time I have tried, it has had no effect on me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gotta go. You gotta get really, really. You gotta like spend the whole weekend getting high, and then go and see them, and then it's all good. Yeah. Uh, and he was he was like friends with the uh, with one of the original founders, not Jerry Garcia, but the other guy, Bob or Bill or something. I'm obviously not a deadhead either. So there you go. Um, so, yeah, that was that little little fun fact about Garrett Graham there. Um, and then we, we go through a lot like, like we kind of mentioned in the brief overall. Um, 
they try to go to see who gets the alien and then the alien just kind of surprises them and the captain tries to shoot him with a stun gun and ends up knocking out John. And and then it's immediately like they're back in the lab with it set up behind this cage thing. Um, so it's a giant alien, like, you know, six and a half feet tall or so, six feet tall, something like that. Um, yeah. That they, they somehow managed to get back inside of this plexiglass cage of some sort. It's not even a cage. There's a door. <laughs> yeah. The, the door they just open and walk in and out of. <laughs> Like, like, it's just a door. Okay. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, this is 1980. Mm-hmm. Okay. Released in 83, according to IMDb, but filmed in 1980. So, Monty Python and the Holy Grail came out in 1974. And they just wholesale ripped this joke off. Because the doctor is convinced that the alien is not harmful, despite the fact that he's just saying an entire song about eating mm-hmm. them. So he goes into the door and the alien begins ripping off his limbs. And the doctor just denies that it's happening. It's just playing. That's fine. It is beat for beat. The Black Knight. I didn't even even think about that when watching that. But yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the makeup's way worse because you could see like his arm shoved in his coat (laughs) as he rips off the prosthetic arm. Yeah. Originally, they filmed that with some blood squirting out too. But then they decided that would be too much for a comedy movie. So... No, they decided it would be exactly like the Black Knight scene. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and he was singing the song "I Want to Eat Your Face," and um, I, I enjoy that song. I think about that song uh, almost on a daily basis. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's the high point of the film. Yes. The the two the two jokes that work for me are the "I Want to Eat Your Face" song and the fake out scream that Cindy Williams does early when she's like. Mm-hmm. Turns around a full-on horror movie, screams for like two minutes straight, and then goes, "Oh, it's just you, John. You scared yeah. me." <laughs> that's that's genuinely yeah. funny. Outside of that, I don't know how much of this movie actually so, lands, so, and it might be an editing problem, it might be a pacing problem, it might be scripting. After, like, I see where the jokes are, and I still maintain it would work on the stage in like a black box theater with like twenty people in a room. <laughs> but I don't think it works on screen. Yeah, it was definitely an editing problem because, you know, if you saw that scream at the very front of the movie, mm-hmm. it kind of sets the expectation and it goes on. But um, I have to say one of my favorite parts of his, that song is the... Uh, Let me eat those knees. Don't you tease <laughs> me. I don't know why, but it always makes me laugh because he sticks his little, little monster hands out. Let me do his knee. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, like you said, he he eats uh, Stark. And then I had to clip another scene real right here because uh, in perfect Leslie Nielsen, deadpan, straight humor. Oh, yeah. Not that one. This one. (laughs) It appears to have eaten Dr. Stark. Appears? Okay, yeah, that also is a good joke. Appears. <laughs> no, we, um, so, yeah, and then they, they try to go to grab the tranquilizer gun. The monster, they come back, the monster escaped. They're they're running up and down the halls, uh, you know, trying to chase it and run from it and chase it, and the monster's running down halls. Now, this, during these scenes um, and basically any other scene where there was no dialogue, Leslie Nielsen was using his fart toy while they were filming. 
So if you if you look close, there's one scene where him and Radzinski are walking down this hall and you see Radzinski kind of look back over his shoulder really quick. <laughs> and that's because Lucy Nelson did the fart machine and it caught him off guard. <laughs> now, Patrick, you may think nothing good came of this movie, but I have a surprise for you because just today I located the maker of the same fart toy that Leslie Nielsen used. And I ordered some. <laughs> it's basically it's basically just like a little rubber tube with like a, a hole in it and you squeeze it on the palm of your hand and you could kind of make different noises depending on how you squeeze it, and how long you squeeze it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I know what I'm bringing to your wedding. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Is it too late to rescind it? <laughs> you're gonna get along great with that Uh, so so back to the movie uh the captain and radinsky are yelling at each other their face and then the monster sneaks up and basically kills them so they're dead um and uh they come back and all they fun and also again i want to stress how uncinematic all of this is (laughs) The giant monster flops on top of them and they all just kind of just like, ah, around on the ground until this camera cuts away. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, uh, <laughs> I understand that there were editing problems, but also no one on set knew what to do with a movie. It was, it was this kind of, a, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was the least cinematic film we have featured on this podcast. And I am including death by dialogue in that statement. <laughs> now it is a better movie than death by yeah. dialogue. The production standards are better but it is less cinematic <laughs> and that means something. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, officer, uh, Cindy Williams, officer McHugh comes up with an idea. Uh, they decide since the monster likes, uh, singing and dancing that they would distract the monster by singing and dancing. <clears throat> and that's exactly what they yeah, do. This is again, theater. <laughs> this is all this is. <laughs> they wanted to do a little bit of a musical. Um, so they sang a song about being two bachelors. Yeah, that came out of nowhere, and he doesn't even remember like why he wrote that song for it. it just he because he just had it sitting around, <laughs> and he was like, "What song are we going to throw in?" Oh, I've got this other song I written for something. Great, just throw it in there because again, it is a theater song <laughs> for theater kids. Yeah. It has no place or grounding. It is. It is. It, it's. It's like bang, bang, bang goes to Charlie. Oh, it's clang, clang, clang goes I, to Charlie. I have to. I, I have to be exiled forever. Yes, no, and I I enjoyed the musical numbers. I think it was uh, it was fun. It's not bad. No. It's not that. That's not what my point is. <laughs> it is fun. My point is it is not a movie. My point is this was written for the stage, and nobody <laughs> did anything about it to stop it from happening. They just gave him a million dollars. Like a- <laughs> he was like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> It should just be like an underground cast recording somewhere. Why the fuck is it? <laughs> oh, it came with the full 24-bit CD. So that's... Oh, yeah. I got all the, the whole soundtrack on it, baby. <laughs> the, 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 I'll, I will take the one song. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, they, they distract it with a song and dance, and they eventually push it out of the airlock, and it just shoots off into the space. Then it, then it has a horror movie fake-out ending where... It, uh, um, John thinks the monster is back, but he's just freaking out. And then it rolls credits. Is that how? Is that the original ending in the creature was? Um, Does that change structurally? It is the original ending of the movie, but it was not the original written ending. 
But no, that's so they had to change it the last they basically two days before filming they had to change it to this um so the original ending was uh going to be the alien uh, monster guy kind of going up to a, a ship and it's uh mark hamill in the ship mm-hmm. and mark hamill agreed to this he signed he was ready to go in the ship and he would open up the hatch and say may the fo-, and then right when he was about to say force the monster would jump out and that would cut to black that <laughs> would be kind of would be Better. funny Mark Hamill agreed to do it, but two days before shooting, he backed out and he was like, I, hey, he, he, he legally could do it, but he's like, I think I'll piss George Lucas off if I do this. So I'm, I'm out of respect to George Lucas. I'm going to back off and not do this joke. I, no, and out of respect to it's 1980 and the Empire Strikes Back is about to come out and I have another third movie. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. So that was that was. I mean, it was smart on his part because I think it would have pissed George Lucas off. Yeah. And um, so and that was, you know, into the movie. But I, I have um, I have some notes. <laughs> I also have notes, but I have been expressing them loudly. <laughs> Let me have yours. But before I go into a little bit of the making of and behind the scenes stuff, uh, if yes. you notice, there was one cast member I haven't really talked about yet. Dr. Stark. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a, it was a, kind of a stark realization. <laughs> It was uh, his name was uh, Patrick McNee. Are you familiar with that gentleman? I know I've seen his face. I cannot place it. He is also doing a riff on um, um, the fucking doctor from Lost. In yeah, space. yeah, basically. Um, he was uh, in the Avengers, the the British TV show, not the Captain yes. America movie. Yes, He's yes. in Spinal Tap, uh, View to Kill, and The Howling. Oh, <clears throat> so he, he was in Spinal yeah, Tap. So he did a lot of things. Um, his 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 history is a little interesting. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Um, so <clears throat> we're gonna go way back to 1929. <laughs> oh no! Was he a Nazi? No, what are you no, gonna tell no, me? No. Um, <clears throat> so his parents actually had separated in 1929 when his mom came out as a lesbian. After okay. she fell in love with a lady named Evelyn Spottiswoode who was the wealthy heiress of the Dewar's Whiskey Company. Okay, rock and roll. <laughs> All right, so so we're on track so yeah. far. Mom separated from husband. Mom fell in love, decided she was a lesbian, wealthy heiress of Dewar's Whiskey mm-hmm. Company. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to go on here. Um, so, so, so Patrick went to go live with, he lived with mm-hmm. his mom and Evelyn, mm-hmm. um, and he was encouraged to call her Uncle Evelyn because she was butch and liked to dress in men's clothing. Um, and they lived in a huge house with several lesbians, including Evelyn's ex-girlfriend, along with 45 dogs. There's nothing I can say on this podcast that would be appropriate for that. Um, I'm not done yet. Uh <laughs> Are you familiar with, uh, I believe it's called the, the Eton College, Eton, E-T-O-N College in the UK? Uh, I feel like I've heard the name, but I don't know what it is. It's Yeah, it's one of those you probably heard. It's, a, it's the largest boarding school in England. Uh-huh. It's educated prime ministers, world leaders, Nobel of Prize course. winners, generations of the uh, aristocracy and all that stuff. So um, Uncle Evelyn helped pay for Patrick to go to that college. Mm. <clears throat> This nice, prestigious college where he ended up getting expelled Mm -hmm. because he was running an underground betting ring and selling pornography to his fellow students. 
The man is a goddamn hero. <laughs> I mean, serious. That's great. That's fantastic. I have heard. I have right? heard nothing objectionable in this story. This story has been like awesome no. from start to finish right? so far. Yeah. I yeah. am on and, at I mean, this point. Still- I am on board. All right. Well, it's over. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh wait. He was on two episodes of Murder, She Wrote as well, playing two different roles. Dude, so much more badass than I thought. <laughs> Patrick, he was he was perfect, but he was not the original actor in that role either. Let's see if you have any questions after this, because this is this is a lot. So the original voice of the computer was not this hippy dippy jock that they had. I thought that was funny. It was a guy named uh, Broderick Crawford who was um, the leading man in all the King's men. And he was on a show called highway. He had a deep gravelly voice and was like an asshole. And it was, it was kind of funnier. Oh, I got a little clip of it for you to hear. Why on earth did they ever make these abusive, emotionally unstable computers? Why do you mean emotionally unstable? You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it is, that is funnier. Right. <laughs> Way funnier. So, yeah, that was the original voice. So that was one of the big things that they changed in it. Um, there was also one line that I really wished was in this movie. It was, hold on, Susan. Space. What a load of shit. <laughs> I just like that line. It was funny. That's, that's a pretty good line. Yeah. Uh, so, so Bruce um, hates scary movies, but his friend took him to go see Alien. And when he walked out of the theater, he said, wow, that would have been a lot better if the alien did a song and dance. And I have questions about Bruce, but they're already answered by the nature of how much theater work he has done. The man likes musical theater. He loves musical theater. Produced 125 albums. More than that now. Jesus. Yeah. Um, he wrote the script in, uh, in 1980 in Cindy Williams' office and was told by the producers of this film, if he can get Cindy to sign on, they'll agree to fund the movie. So um, it actually took him four and a half months to get her to agree, to get her agent to agree. And then on his birthday, she signed it. It's like, here you go. So, yeah, I, I imagine so, though, because like Laverne and Shirley is huge at this point. Right. So that he's trying uh, to get, you know, her agent's trying to get trying to get her paid. Trying yeah. to get her top billing in the paid, movie all that stuff. Trying to top billing, trying not to, to sully her reputation with a movie that's going to flop. <laughs> also, also, um, just just shooting around. Uh, TV shows, by the way, take a lot of work. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of time. And demand a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so, like, budgeting a movie in the middle of all that, also difficult. However, Laverne and Shirley is on the air until 83, which is when this movie is actually released. Mm. Um. So, like, it is good to diversify at that point because, like, uh, what Big Band on Campus is 87. I think that's what, yeah, I think so. 80, 88. So, like, like the show's been off the air for a while at that point. So, you, you yeah. got to get out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's how it kind of started. It was just him and Cindy, and he was all set. Um, there's a, the captain, they originally got a gentleman named Richard Benjamin, uh, who was in the, the movie Westworld. Um, I like that movie. Yeah. So he was in that and he has also done a lot of theater work. Um, so they had. You Brenner was in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's a tangent. It amounts to nothing. Just, no, that was it. 
<laughs> it just ran into a wall. Boom. That's it. Nothing else to go on. Well, it's, 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 I, I mean, Yul Brynner was great. He was, he would show up in things and then you, what do you got to say about it after that? I guess you'll Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, I'm all of this out. sometimes I like, to eat, <laughs> sometimes I like to eat breakfast for dinner. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah, you had Richard Benjamin there. Uh, he was, the, he was originally the captain. Um, and then the role of Rudzinski originally mm-hmm. was cast and signed and agreed was Christopher Lloyd. I can see that it, it works with his taxi driver character. Exactly. That's where it kind of came from. So he's like, all right, well, this this, this should work. So they had Christopher Lloyd signed on. Good to go. <clears throat> now they needed to fill the role of Dr. Stark. They... <laughs> They offered it first to Laurence Olivier, who immediately turned it down. Right, because he's fucking Laurence Olivier. What the fuck were you thinking? Eh, shoot for the moon. Why not? Yeah, I mean, th- that would be like saying, hey, Daniel Day-Lewis, I wrote a fart comedy. You want to be in my fart comedy? Method actor Daniel Day-Lewis? Uh, <laughs> Am I wrong? No. He, he, they decided to bring it down and bring it a little bit more realistic. Um, so they offered the role to Christopher Lee. I mean, you could get Christopher Lee. Jesus Christ. Christ Christopher Lee loved the film. He loved the script until the scene where Dr. Stark got eaten and he did not want to be eaten. So he turned the movie down. Really? Yeah. And then they. Um, very interesting. Christopher Lee had like a bad relationship with like someone who was super into Vore. I can't go through this again. <laughs> this is happening. Uh, then it was also offered to uh, Jose Ferrer, who you may remember as the mayor in that lovely movie, The Being, that we watched. The Being. Yeah. Wow. Jose Ferrer's agent uh, refused to even send the script to him because he was like, he is above doing this film. And then three or four years later, he did the Bing. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that went downhill quickly. Um, so anyway, you you had you had your cast here. Um, you had you had your Doctor Stark. They eventually got a hold of uh, of Patrick McNee, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." So I was like, "Cool, they got it ready." Um, about a month before filming, uh, Richard Benjamin, the guy that got to play the captain, told his agent that he decided he wants to become a director. And the only way he was going to be in this movie is if they let him co-direct. And so he was out. Bruce Kimmel said, Nope. So he's like, all right, then I'm out. So then they had to recast, uh, the captain and they thought Leslie Nielsen would be perfect because of his character in forbidden planet. And his character I knew you in airplane. Forbidden planet. you kind of mesh those two together planet. and it's basically his role here. So that worked out. The next day, Christopher Lloyd dropped out because he was going through a nasty divorce and didn't want to be in a comedy while he was going through a divorce. And they were like, no, that was his uh, that was his second of four divorces. We are a pro Christopher Lloyd podcast. Yes. Um, as far as we know, he was just in the uh, Mandalorian. So now they had to cast a new Rodzinski. And you know how they who they had read for Rodzinski as well? Tim Thomerson. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> but wait, we haven't talked about beef yet. <laughs> what? <laughs> we're, 
<laughs> so Bruce Kimmel loved, he absolutely loved Garrett Graham as beef in Phantom of the Fifth Paradise. So they called yeah. him up to see if he'd be interested and boom, he was interested. So yeah, so, so that was, that was the, the, the original thing. And they filmed the movie, they had the full thing going on, they screened it. Um, it was bomb. They had it. They hated it. So he re-edited it, changed a bunch of things, screened it again, got a lot of laughs. He was kind of on the right track. This is only the second movie he's directed. So he's kind of, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to edit this and I could change this thing around and I could, you know, do this a little bit better. So he started doing it and they previewed it again and it was, it was getting better. It was getting more laughs. It was, it was kind of flowing, but then the producers called him up and they were like, um, no, we're taking control of this now. We need to, we're, we're going to do this. Uh, so send, send the movie to us. We'll edit it and we'll put it out there. You're done. Have a nice day. So they just took the movie from him, basically. And um, yeah, they took it. They re-edited it, moved a bunch of scenes around, added some stuff in that wasn't there originally. And um, and Bruce Kimmel hates that version. He thinks <laughs> he, the version that you saw is the version that the director hates. <laughs> Because they ruined, that feels appropriate. It kind of ruined his movie um, by changing a lot of things on there. That is, uh, the creature wasn't nice. Whew, that was a lot to go over. <laughs> Do you have any other questions about this movie? No, no, you you were thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go from there. <laughs> Oh, you know, I forgot to play this clip of the entry scene when it was Rosinski with the, of, uh, the, the captain here. And don't think we all haven't noticed you doing everything humanly possible to look down the front of Officer McHugh's blouse every time you get the chance. Shut your <laughs> So, and, and when Leslie Nielsen read that line he decided to on his own accord that anytime he was next to Cindy Williams, he would kind of start looking down her, try to look down her shirt. And it's really noticeable in the song with the alien. Cause he's really like staring hard and he like does a serious look back at the alien. <laughs> that worked pretty well. <laughs> I think you might need to rewatch this movie. I think you might like it a little bit more. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't think it landed. Yeah. Yep. And I'll, maybe I'll send you a copy of the director's cut. You can, you can entertain yourself with that. And see what you think. I mean, I'd be gay to give it again. Again, like I don't think the movie is bad. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the material, as edited and presented to me, worked as a movie. Yes, and you will agree with the director then. So mm-hmm. I think he'd be happy to hear that, Bruce. Thank you uh, for doing the commentaries and and bringing this uh, this version to light because uh, it's uh, definitely definitely an improvement. But um, you know, the the producers made a lot more than three changes to this movie. They also made springtime for Hitler in Germany. (laughs) In a way, I brought you here to offer you a job. You think you can do it better, so here's your chance. (laughs) Okay, three changes. Three changes. Only three changes. All right, so we now, so it's no longer a movie. Now it is a black box production. Oh God! As a movie, oh fuck, man, Jesus Christ! Well, there's got to be a different way to end it than a song about bachelors. <laughs> so come so, up with a better final a new, song, a, a better ending. However you do it, a yeah. thought better final song, a better song and dance number, a better anything. Okay, we'll go with that. 
needs to be more get a different cinematographer right the sets are fine for what they're doing but right. you have got to shoot this differently it has to be shot like a movie and not like i put cameras in a place <laughs> all right i sound like an asshole i'm sorry <laughs> Like this, 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 this works as a play. It doesn't work as a movie. Um, okay. Um, I guess put the, put the, put the gravelly voice back. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I think the gravelly voice was was pretty fun. At one those point, are, those are my three. Not at all sweeping and broad changes. And um, if anyone involved in the movie is listening, I am sorry. Oh, I'm gonna that send a copy of- directly to Bruce. I have his email. Actually, I did. I did. Uh, I did communicate with him to find out if where I could get this copy from because it was originally an Indiegogo, and the only place I saw it was on that uh, Kritzerland website. And I was like, "What the hell is this?" And I don't know. And and it was like movie coming out in December. And I was like, "Is it last December or this December?" I don't understand. So I sent him an email like, "Um, is it available? Can I buy it?" He's like, "Yeah, go here and order it." I was like, "Cool." So I ordered it. And they were nice enough. I guess they had some reported issues with the first batch of DVDs that came out. So he sent me two copies of the DVDs in case the one didn't work. So okay, well, that's a bonus. Well, good for him. Again, it's a, I didn't see the edited version. It might be better. You will. I will make you watch it. <laughs> we'll sit around with the little uh, Leslie Nielsen fart machines and watch it together. It'll be fun. Kumbaya, <laughs> my lord. Kumbaya. And that's why he had letter rip on his. Uh, <laughs> on his tombstone. tombstone yeah did he really <laughs> oh yeah his tombstones just says letter rip <laughs> i guess it was appropriate that i said that before the trailer yeah okay. i thought you said that for that reason actually no <laughs> wow well there we I'm go just, that works I, I i'm i'm just drinking and stupid <laughs> <laughs> dumb fucking luck dustin i guess so <laughs> Um, <clears throat> are you okay with this episode? I think it's fine. Oh, I think it's fine too. And you know what? This wraps up this episode uh, All right. of, uh, of found on shelf. We are found on shelf. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, please like subscribe, review, whatever you got to do. And uh, or therapeutic help. Yeah. Subscribing is nice. It's nice to see subscription <laughs> numbers. Um, wherever you found us, we're on just about every podcatcher known to man um i've i've whored us out on everything i could find so uh, if you we've were, had to get a couple penicillin treatments yeah so if you uh have a podcast i'm editing all of my commentary out it's just, it's just really insane. <laughs> what is he laughing at <laughs> um <clears throat> so yeah you can you can check us out found on shelfpod.com or you can go to uh podpage.foundonshelfpod.com there's another one i just started up so that's fun um, also we are found on shelf pod, all one word on, uh, on the tweets or the Dogecoin blog, whatever it's going to be called. Um, <clears throat> Instagram, Facebook, if it still exists. Yeah. Letterboxd, uh, Tumblr, Coho, Spoutable, Pinterest, pod page, good pods, everywhere you want. You know, just, just search found on shelf pod or shout it into the distance. Yeah, and you- a sparrow will descend. Google search, uh, Bing search, uh, ask Jeeves. Is that shit still around? I don't know. But. I don't know. I don't, I, 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 let me find a butler and ask him <laughs> if ask Jeeves is still around. Uh, so you can find us pretty much everywhere. Or if, if you can't you, find if us. You, 
if you if you if you if you scry with entrails, the guts will spell out where to find us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Smoke signals. Uh, we got everything. Just yeah. Oh, you know what? Ask Jesus say- just became ask.com. It was it's kind of the same. Oh, that makes sense. Like- yeah. Not as fun, but um, but yeah, you know, ooh, I haven't tried asking my little Google assistant here to play the podcast. I wonder if it would actually do that, but I'll try that later. Um, so you might be able to do that. Um, or you could just shoot us an email at uh, foundonshelfpod at gmail.com. And uh, you can let us know what you think of the show, offer any suggestions of movies you'd like us to uh, to cover, or check out. And um, if you couldn't find us on something, let me know and I will sign us up to that something because I'm just like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, on MILF.com. I should have recorded the whole thing. Why? I'm only going to use like six seconds. (laughs) I know you always do. (laughs) 